Stand by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsey. Ah, uh, this is Craig Moore. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. Thank you so much for tuning in. A great show ahead of us. Have you wondered about hunting black bear? We'll talk to Justin Benfit and Janet Millick from Wyoming Game and Fish Department. We're talking ice fishing with Brian... Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports as well. Let's get her on. It's no secret that Wyoming is home to some of the greatest fishing and hunting in the world. Wow! It's colossal. It's stupendous. It's magnificent. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. It's another week of Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. We appreciate you listening. And we are approaching the end of the year, which means uh, number 52 is almost in the book, Janet. You, Drew, are correct. And we have loved to be here every single week with you, Drew. You do such a great job on the show. And, and Game and & Fish is happy to help participate however we can and get the word out. And today we brought in one of our uh, our favorite part people uh, on the show, Justin Benfett, uh, where it's been a busy year for you, Justin, as we're approaching the end of the year. Uh, hunting seasons are still going, but kind of winding down now. Oh, yeah. I guess it seems like every year is busier than the last. But, yeah, it's another one in the books, by and large. You know, we still got got a few whitetail seasons going in some places and of course we got always got elk seasons they in a lot of cases they go to the end of january or end of december depending on where you're at so things are still ticking out in the country we actually uh some guys did pretty good on some elk just the other day as things opened back up so that was not me janet's still trying to get on the board huh Holy cow, what a year. But, you know, it, it lends, when you're unsuccessful, it lends for a great fall of being outside all the time. So that's always a good thing. Right? That is true. That yeah, is true. Work yeah, we've actually had to work at it this year and we've gotten nothing. <laughs> but that's okay. It is. It's a fun time with the family, fun times outdoors, and, and you get to appreciate Wyoming for sure. So, Janet, we've talked a lot about the, the hunting seasons and uh, fishing seasons around Wyoming and how wide of a a selection they are and uh, some of those that we really don't talk much about are some of the black bear that that are happening we are in the midst right now of looking at black bear hunting seasons so people are often familiar with the season setting proposals and season setting meetings that come out in march and april which is when we do our big game season setting and so um, they may not realize that we do these meetings and these regulation setting periods throughout the year. And right now is when we are doing black bear hunting seasons. And the black bear regulation actually only opens up once every three years. And so we're in this three-year cycle where right now we're looking at some different things to what can be improved in the regulation and what are we hearing from the public? Well, Justin, what is kind of the situation we're at right now? What, what are we looking at as far as black bear? Well, you know, Drew, for now, I can only speak kind of around, you know, central and eastern Wyoming, kind of, you know, parts of the region or the state that I'm most familiar with and, and have some management responsibility in. And so, you know, generally speaking, bears in central and eastern Wyoming are doing really well. Um, you know, if, if you look at where we were 
with um, our, we call them female harvest mortality limits. So, so it's basically, allow, you know, how many females we allow hunters to take. Um, we've really, really liberalized our black bear regulations over the past 20 years. About every time this regulation's opened up and we still seem to have even more bears. So bears are doing well. Justin, we have lots of bears around Casper. Are they bigger than a lot of people think they are? Yeah, actually, they sure can be. Um, we get some really big bears out of the Laramie Range and, and that Casper Mountain country. Um, yeah, it's we you know we occasionally get some some boars that weigh over four hundred pounds and over three hundred pound sows and things like that. So, um, yeah, pretty good sized bears. Do we have a big number of bears around? I can't say that it's bigger or smaller than what people think because I don't know what every person thinks that the population might be. But we are definitely working to make sure that we're managing that population um, accordingly. How do you monitor something like that? I know we talked not long ago with the elk and the deer and, and things where you go up in a helicopter and be able to take herd counts that way. What about figuring out bears? So large carnivores like bears are, they're trickier. They're much, you know, trickier to estimate because we can't just jump in a helicopter and fly around and count them. And so is what we do is, and it's one of the, it's really the biggest reason why we only open the bear regulation every three years, like Janet said. And that's because it allows us to pool enough harvest data over a three-year period so we have high enough numbers, like a high enough sample size, so we can actually really infer what's going on. Is what we do is we look at the sex and age composition of the harvest. So like how many females are in the harvest? And of those females, how many are adult females? And then how many are adult males? And and based on, on the, the composition of the harvest, it allows us to infer whether or not the population is kind of going up, down, or staying about the same. So it doesn't it doesn't produce a number for us, but at least produces a, a reasonable trend. And then in addition to that, we also have a really cool project where we caught and collared a whole bunch of bears in the Laramie Range. So some south of Casper, but more over like south of Glenrock and Douglas and west of Wheatland in, in all that country. We collared quite a few, um, collected a bunch of information on their home range, like how far they travel and what their territories are and that sort of thing. And then we're going to come back and uh, we, we put up these hair snares and basically where it, it lures a bear to come in and, and uh, the barbed wire catches some hair and we're able to determine how many repeat bears we get at these, at these hair snare sites. And that's going to give us a, a really good population estimate. It'll be the first time we've had that. So we're looking forward to it. So really the, the process is expanding and evolving as, as we go. And you say every three years, so there's a you know a little downtime, so you're able to come up with these different methods. That's correct, and and with bears too, you don't you got to be you got to be careful because bears are just you know they don't have their first litters till they're five years old, and they only have a litter. Females only have a litter every other year, and so you don't want to over harvest a bear population, which you can because they're just not as productive as say like a deer herd or an antelope herd. Which the public meetings that are coming up and available all over the state really are good resources for uh, learning things like this about bears that you may not have known. More with Justin and Janet coming up in just a few minutes. Bear Talk continues. It's Wyoming to Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. My Country 95.5. Welcome back to the show. Remember, you can always hit us up with any questions that you have inside the My Country 95.5 app. Talking with Justin Benfit and Janet Millick from Game and Fish. 
Justin, it's noted that black bears are in more areas around the state than grizzly bears, but has the habitat in Wyoming changed enough to where bears are going where maybe they haven't been before? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we've had is, is you know, as as some carnivore populations have rebounded over the past 50 years or so, um, we're having more and more bears show up in places that that we hadn't had, like, say, 20 years ago. So, for example, like the Shirley Mountains between Casper and Medicine Bow, um, you know, we didn't have much for bears in there 20 years ago. And now we actually have a, a thriving reproducing population that's sustaining harvest every year. And and uh, bears seem to be doing well. And we've had bears expanding into some places like the Black Hills where they hadn't been for 100 years now um, since European settlement and things like that. So, so yeah, we've got bears expanding into new areas. And, and um and like Janet said, even in the traditional bear habitat around here, uh, like in the Laramie Range, there's more bears than than people think. When it's time to hunt those bears, are there certain uh, regions or districts that are huntable? Yeah. So most of the most all the well all the state is is huntable, um, where we have bears. So they're broken into hunt areas, just similar like we do with big game, and in each of those areas, we'll have a female mortality limit, and so. So when hunters harvest a bear, if it happens to be a female, um, some hunters are good at telling the difference. Others aren't. It, it can be just be a little bit tricky. Um, and then so we, we cap the number of females that we allow hunters to take from a given area. And that's just based on, you know, a sustainable harvest for for the sake of the bears. If I want to hunt bear and I go buy a, a, a tag or license for the bear, and I want to go elsewhere, not in the Casper region. Do I have to go to that region to buy the license, or can you buy it anywhere and just go to that area? Nope, similar to mountain lions, um, they're they're kind of on the same the same thing. You can buy a license; it's valid in any hunt area statewide. It's just whether or not um, the season has closed based on on whether or not female mortality limits have been met. So it is just make sure you're paying attention and and keeping up if. If yep. you want to call get the hotline. Out. Yeah, perfect. Way. What's that hotline number again? Yeah, Drew, it's 800-264-1280. And also, uh, if you're interested, there are some public meetings that are, are happening for this uh, particular topic. That's right. They're going on all over the state, Drew. Um, but right here in our region, we have, we're holding one in Casper and one in Douglas. So on December 7th, if you're interested, at 4 p.m. in Douglas, head to the Converse County Library. Our wildlife biologist in Douglas, Matt Heisinga, will be there um, to answer any questions, to go over the regulations with anybody who's interested. And then here in Casper at 7 p.m. right here at the Game and Fish office, um, we'll be in the pronghorn room and we'll be here to answer any questions that, that you might have on black bear hunting seasons. Very good. Of course, you can always go wgfd.wild.gov and call that number. Justin, one more time. What is that hotline? 800-264-1280. All right. Janet, Justin, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Get in hunting outdoors. My Country 95.5. Well, Brian, we have passed Thanksgiving. We are fully into Christmas shopping mode and Lots of folks are coming in and getting their uh, their ice fishing gear and, and even some late-season hunting stuff. 
Oh yeah, the hunting, uh, the especially the varmint stuff, starting to kick in, and the ice fishermen uh, are starting to hit the hard water, and uh, things are looking good. Now you have been out bird hunting quite a bit lately, and there have been some birds flying, and uh, you guys have a lot of things that people need for for duck and goose hunting, or even upland bird hunting. Yeah, uh, obviously the upland bird stuff, uh, pretty handy at, in, out of the Casper area with the bird farm outside of town. We got Glendo, we've got a couple other uh, state area release areas. But uh, yeah, we've got all your, your vests, your shotgun shells, shotguns, hearing protection. We, we've got it all, really. There's nothing better than uh, waking up on Christmas Day to a new shotgun or rifle. Oh, boy. Yeah, especially that, that first one, you know, the BB gun, the Red Rider. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, a, a lot a lot of great gift items and a lot of a lot of great firearms. And uh, some of the new calibers, the 7mm PRC, we're starting to see uh, ammo and some of the rifles for that. So there's a, there's a lot of neat stuff out there. The, the weather here has been really up and down. Uh, we've had a, a cold snap and a lot of snow, but then we get right back into the 40s and 50s with wind. So dressing appropriately is pretty tough. Yeah, definitely layering up. And, you know, as the snow starts packing in up on Casper Mountain, we're going to see a lot of people going up there and enjoying the, the Nordic trails and cross country and snowshoeing and sledding. And so a lot of the um, cold weather gear, the, the snow pants and the, the waterproof gloves, the hats, that kind of stuff is really starting to kick in. And it's really important to be prepared when you go that. We had a little instance not too long ago where uh, the snow was a little deeper than I thought. And uh, <laughs> da, da 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 Brian to the rescue. But, I mean, it could have been a bad situation if I wasn't prepared. So it's always good to be prepared. Yeah, and especially if you know you're going into the backcountry and you're, let's say you get in there, but if you're there for eight hours, you know, eight hours can change things a lot, you know, with especially with the wind and the drifting snow. You know, you got to make sure that uh, your car is prepared to possibly spend the night somewhere. And of course, uh, you know, those hand warmers and feet warmers and even the thermal blankets that, that are good in emergencies, you guys carry all that. We carry a lot of things that are great to just make like an emergency preparedness type of vehicle kit, right? Just something that, your kids traveling back and forth from Laramie. You want to put together a small box with an emergency blanket, a candle, maybe some freeze-dried foods, that kind of stuff. Um, things that uh, could at least uh, take care of them in a pinch. Get out here and check them out, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. You, really, you could come here and do all of your Christmas shopping. One spot, one stop. It's way to go. Wyoming. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. The seasons have changed here in Wyoming, as they do all the time, and we've kind of switched focus from, uh, you know, the early season mule deer and antelope and, and elk, and there's still some elk season going on. The birds are flying. The upland game is going, but fishing is something that we've talked about all year, and even though it's cold and icy, that doesn't stop fishing here in Wyoming. No, and that's uh, we need some of that cold to freeze up these uh, these ponds and reservoirs, and we're starting to see some pretty decent ice in some of the bays at um, you know Ocean Lake and Boysen and Galindo's got a little bit, and and Pathfinder uh, Sweetwater Arms got some pretty decent ice up there right now. What is the safe ice? I mean, we always talk about you want to make sure it's safe, clear, good ice, but what is how thick is a good safe ice? 
Boy, I'm 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 that nervous guy. You know, there's a I think you know if you look at a lot of the you know publications out there about what they say is safe ice. You know, a lot two to three or will support a human. Uh, I don't like being out there. You know, unless it's at least four to six, and even then I'm walking around pretty like. Eh. <laughs> you start talking about that two to three, and I start getting heart palpitation just off that. Yeah, I mean, especially in Wyoming, you know, we tend to have some reservoirs that might have some like methane pockets or some some warm water uh, parts of it where the ice conditions aren't as good, or maybe the the wind or the sand, you know, has just created some some just kind of iffy, sketchy ice. So, um, obviously, if you if you are on the ice early on, uh, you you got to be prepared and, and bring your safety equipment along with you. And it's always good, even if you have a little bit of equipment, to have a sled or something that you can use as a flotation device. If, if you do fall in. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea to bring a life jacket or some type of a throw cushion or, you know, a um, throw bag. It's some, something that, um, you know, it's, it's really nice just to even have your sled, right? If you have a sled available, if you were to go through that, most of the time that sled will stay up on top. Um, but, yeah, just be, being prepared, especially an extra change of clothes in the in the truck, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, your heater, your hot hands, that kind of stuff. Um but you know, hopefully, you know, as this as we freeze up here, we'll have some really good ice towards the end of December, and and uh, everybody be out there safe and having a good time. So when you and I were were fishing Glendo and and some of the other reservoirs this summer, if we were in a slow spot, we just got you know put the motor down and took off. Right. When you're ice fishing, it's not that simple to. Just move to a different area without having to do and bring the auger out. And well, we tend to get lazy on the ice. You know, we we get back and sit in our lawn chair and maybe have a cocktail or <laughs> and just want to just sit there and watch our tip ups, which which that's all fine and dandy. But um, you know, if the fish aren't biting there, there's you know you might just have to move. And so um, I like to call it ice trolling. When when I get out there, I mean I'll I'll start with punching twenty or thirty holes and just kind of leapfrogging one over to the other. And you know, if I, this one doesn't work for a while then I move a jigging rod over to this one and maybe go jig this hole for a little bit and just keep moving around. Um, it is it is a little bit less convenient, you know, um, on the hard water versus out of a boat. But um, the guys that are successful are usually moving around. I've seen some pictures of guys that are pulling out some smaller fish so far this year. No huge fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that changes the, the winter goes on, do you think? I think the fish that, you know, the small fish that we've been seeing have been coming off of uh, Pathfinder Reservoir. And the fish at Pathfinder just typically are just a little bit smaller to begin with. There are some better fish in there. Um, whether or not we'll see them, I mean, it's hard saying. But the little fish, I mean, there's a bunch of them in there, so and they're hungry. So they're guys have been pretty successful right off the bat with catching some of those. Um, I don't necessarily think you're going to catch any bigger ones. I mean, you could, right? I mean, we, there's definitely some 30 inch fish in there, right. um, and they they might be roaming in there with the 15 inchers. But uh, the number of small fish in Pathfinder is exponential over those larger fish. And that we're talking with the game and fish, Matt Hahn, a couple of weeks ago, he said, "Take the fish. You catch them, take them." Right. Yeah. I mean, they. I think their concern there is that there's just not enough forage, and so. 
you know, typically, uh, you know, a, um, a three-year-old fish is about 15 inches. Well, at Pathfinder, there might only be 12 or 13 inches. There's just not enough forage in there for those fish to grow at the rate that they do at other, other reservoirs. So um, in order to help with that is to help take some of those smaller fish out of, out of the system so that the bigger fish aren't competing for the crawdads and the other minnows and everything right. else. So when you catch those fish that you can take, take them with you, you know, People always think, well, I'll throw it back. I'll catch a bigger n- next year. But that's not always the case. Yeah, and from from everything that, you know, I've talked to you, Matt Hahn and the Game of Fish, you know, ke- keeping those little fish is not going to hurt that fishery. You know, it, in fact, it you know, they think it's going to help by taking more mm-hmm. of those little fish out. So um, go home with a limited fish. And have a nice fish fry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It might take a few more of those little ones to yeah. make it happen. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty entertaining to catch, you know, especially uh, for those kids. If they're on a jig and a minnow or if they're just watching tip-ups and, and uh, watching those flags go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's a great time. It's a good pastime. It's 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 generally fairly safe, especially as we get later into the season, and uh, it's a good good afternoon to take the kids out. And when you do take the kids out, make sure you have all the right gear that you can get right here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. That's another show in the books. We do appreciate you listening. Remember, you can hear all of our episodes in the My Country ninety five five app. Thanks for listening, and another great show coming up next week.